You're listening to Mississippi Ghost and Cryptids Podcast, where we discuss all things paranormal. Hi, and welcome to another episode of MGC Podcast. And today we have our special guest, Jane, also my mommy. Hi, Miss Jane. Hello, hello. And with us we also have... Bobby. And you know me, Terry. That guy. This guy. Sorry about my voice. I've got that little Mississippi sinus stuff going on. So she won't yeah, be we call, talking we call that, that We call that Corona. This will be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> okay. So um, so the highlight of this uh, episode is um, Biloxi's mysterious haunted books that you may have heard about. And um, my mom here is actually over the genealogical section, excuse me if I can get words out of my mouth, at the li- at our local main branch library, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about these books and why they're so mysterious. Okay, so our collection in the library right down the street has all kinds of things in it, not just books. We have pictures and films and things like that, so we accept monetary uh, donations as well as objects, depending on what they are. So one day, about four years ago, some guy <clears throat> called us and he says, I need to talk to you. Um, I have a donation. You might not want it. I said, well, what could, why would we not want it? So I said, well, come in. We'll talk about it. And so he brings He comes in first without the books. And he says, this is the story. He said, our family started out here. Uh, we were, my wife was in a building renting a room in the 1960s. And she acquired a set of books while she was living in this building. And we've kept, because they were neat, because they're old, they're like mid-1800s. We've kept the books just because they cool books. And we've moved all over the United States. And he says, um, every place we went, we saw the same apparition. And we can only blame it on the books, if you want to call it blame. Uh, and so uh, I said, well, what did you see? And he said, well there was this apparition that came and it was a lady in a long dark hair and a gauzy flowing gown and she would just kind of hang around or we'd wake up and she'd be there and she didn't she wasn't aggravating us or anything she would just have a presence so when we kind of looked up to recognize her she would vanish so she wasn't no one was scared of her nobody was threatened by her but it had to be the books so we said oh cool okay well we'll We'll take the books, we'll take our chances. And so we, we have a special archives room uh, in the back that nobody can go in except the staff. And so we have a special place for all the books there. And so we put them in a special box, which I'll show you in a minute. And uh, we kept them. And so the question is, you know, are they really haunted? Well, the first thing we did was we took the names inside the books and we researched them with our the best we could do online books we had, uh, vertical files, family files, and all this. And we try to figure out if the books are haunted, was one of the names in the books a clue to see who was haunting the books? So I have a, a stack of papers, about two inches, trying to figure out who it was. And I said, that's it. I know who it is. This lady's it because she was a teacher, and she must have been the one who's coming back to visit her books. 
when I checked, she lived to be 103, and the ghost showed up before she died. So, and, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's a good yeah. life, then. So there's a question about, well, who is this lady? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So uh, anyway, so we have several meeting rooms um, in our library. So one day there was a group of people there, and um, I said, look, I said, do y'all have any idea? I said, if y'all come in for a meeting, I said, why don't y'all just go hang out in our archives room and see if you get a an idea of if anything's going on with these books. And so they did. They went in the back, and we didn't go with them. And I said, I said, I don't know. There's so much noise and air and all this other stuff going on. We really can't uh, tell if there's any kind of clues of you know going on with the books. I said, okay, uh, let me ask you this. I said, where are the books? Because I didn't tell them where the books were. And so they pointed to the shelf above the books. Well, we have lots of shelves back there with a lot of stuff. And I said, that's good enough for me. I'm cool with that. So we believed that there was something there, um, but we don't know what. And then, so then the other question is, well, does anybody see anything or feel anything in our, inside our department? And there's three staff members. Okay, so, and we don't have public go back there or anything. So uh, Mandy, who works uh, with me as well, she said, well... She says, I can tell you this. She says, when I'm by myself, like on a Saturday or something, she says, it seems like there's somebody standing there wanting to ask me a question, but when I go to talk to that person or to look up, there's no one there. So it's more of a feeling than anything concrete. But that's okay, too. So the question is, so what about these books? I mean, maybe the lady who would appear to the family... Um, where did she go? Well, I'm thinking that because her very favorite special books are in a library with very wonderful books, that maybe she's okay with that. Maybe she's at peace. Yeah, she's at peace. So she doesn't need to visit anybody. Mm -hmm. And if she's there, she doesn't need to appear to anybody in in person, so to speak. And to clarify, the the couple who donated the books, Mm -hmm. wherever they moved, they saw this lady. They saw this, and everybody saw the same thing. Were you able to talk to them after the book, after they donated them, to see no. if this lady would have just, like, it was an attachment to them and not to the them? Books? And that's a good question because we're assuming that it wasn't something else they had, but he was convinced. No. Once he, once he came, he says, I don't want to tell you who I am. You don't need to know anything else. He says, and he left. And I've never seen him since. And even if he walked in the building, I wouldn't know who he is. He was okay with that. Right. Mm-hmm. What's, I mean, it's, wow, it's, that's it's, a wonderful story. It's a I cool mean, that's, story, right? That's awesome. So around this time of year, uh, we bring them out. We have a display case. It's a glass display case that's locked. So if anybody wants to come see the books, they can see them. They just can't touch them for a lot of reasons. Number one, we don't, we don't want to disturb the aura if there is one around the books. But they're old. They're archival. They're falling apart. We're breaking the rules today, aren't we? Uh, well, that's okay. So I'm a manager, so I can kind of break a few rules here and there. <laughs> so with her, we pulled a few Got strings. Yeah. And uh, today we actually... Um, are going to put some nice gloves on, and we're going to we're actually going to handle a few of these books. So rule number one is if you have something archival, or, or even if it's just delicate or falling apart, if it's new, you want to put on these special cotton gloves, which prevents the oils on your skin from getting onto the book and disturbing it. Deteriorating it. it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So there are nine books in this collection, um, all academic things, you know, relig- not religion, but Greek things and foreign languages and English and all this other stuff. Um, so um, I'm going to show you one of the books. Okay. okay. So I brought the archival box 
that it's stored in. You can hold it. Yeah, you can hold it. Okay. So this is how. This is this is how we store things in special boxes that are acid-free and all this other stuff. And this is where we store the nine books when they're not on display. So I'm going to reach in here, and I'm just going to grab one of the three books. Now, they do look old. And so this one is called Ancient History by Fredette. I have no idea. I did not look up the titles of these books. I just know this what it is. So when you open the book, you can see it's fallen apart. Uh, every once in a while in these books, you'll find something. And I was always hoping it would be a clue as to what else was the story of the books, but it's not. This one has a, a leaf, which makes no sense. I mean, I've seen four-leaf clovers and things, but right. this is not it. It's a random leaf and a little, a little tiny note with numbers on it, you know. And sometimes, some of the books actually have, like, the first names of the person. But um, this is pretty much what the, what the books look like. Um, this one was printed in 1864. Okay. I think the earliest one was 1841. Does that uh, book have any uh, names or inscriptions on it at all? I don't know. Let's take a look. Uh, some do and some don't. I don't think this one does. Uh, but I do have a list of the first names of the people who owned it. This one does not. So I'm just going to recite um, the names of the people that we found in the books. Annie. Josie. Norita, Daphne, Marietta, Josephine, and Rosetta. And that's just a a, a grouping of names. So sometimes when we put the books on display, we'll put a name card next to it. Okay. That's good enough. So um, anyway, uh, these books need repair at this point. Uh, We don't like to fool with them too much. We do have ways to repair them, but... You know, we kind of want to keep them the way they are, if we can. Uh, this one is... Um, is this the back cover? Uh, maybe so. Could be. Is it green? Yeah. It's green. Yeah, and they, all the books are, look like this. They all mm-hmm. all went falling apart. Oh, wait. Let's see. This one has a name. It says, uh, J. Santini, Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh, okay. That could be anybody. So, let's see. Let's open it up. History of the American People. And, of course, we will fix this. Wow. It's got a George picture here. Here's a, a name in, hand, in cursive. No <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah. Um, what is that? That's I'm going to say, um, it's, it's a I, I, I do know that there are some children that cannot read cursive. It's not their fault. Always remember yeah. that. True. If the teachers it's don't not. teach them, they don't know. But, you know, you give them cards, and they can't read the birthday card because it's in cursive. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. But all the old, old documents, you know, Declaration of Independence and so forth and right. so on, everything's cursive. Right. So now it's starting to be a um, code. Sure. Like you have to learn a code to be able sure. to read the things. Well, even immigration records are in cursive. Cursive, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So and, um, to try to trace back your genealogy and all that is like, Exactly. I don't even know how to see well, my did, last name spelled. That, in that, you um, in when you were in school, they taught you uh, shorthand. I didn't. Yes, but I didn't take it. I had an option. I was did not do that. My to, friends all took shorthand. Right. And if you want to see codes, That's you look at weird. shorthand, right? Yeah. And it was to, so basically a little curlicue could mean like the letter V, and then you had to be able to take what somebody said, 
write it down in code. It's like, be, it's like being a court reporter almost. Yeah, and court report is a little bit different because they have these little things to type. Mm-hmm. But this one, you had to write it. And after you wrote it, you have to be able to understand what you wrote. And decode And decode it. So <laughs> I did not take that. I had other, I took like physics instead. I don't know. But um, anyway, so, uh, and the thing about handwriting too, and a little bit of handwriting in these, not much, just mm-hmm. maybe first names and stuff. Um, you know, we do genealogy, we do census records, and when you do census records, you can actually see the handwriting, which is in cursive, of the census taker. Right. You know, as it get up until 1940. And now you don't do that. You color in little, little squares and things like that. So you don't have that option. But when the census taker came around, not only did he have to understand how to spell they, the person's name and so forth, he had to have a decent enough handwriting so that when they go to type in an ancestry, it comes out something that makes sense. If he's got a bad handwriting, right. that's it. You'll never find your mm-hmm. great-grandma, right. whatever. Right. So um, anyway, so that's the story of the books. Um, this one too? They have one. This one. I think I forgot. Oh, wait. Okay. This one is called, uh, don't know. It's in German. Feet and Lufsen. And, uh, Guten. I don't time. know. Yeah. And it says German something. So we know it's this. Uh, it says September 19th, 1843. Whatever the Sylvester Learned Institute is, I don't know where it is. Uh, probably New Orleans. I think I've seen New Orleans there. Uh, so this one is in a little better shape, but I mean, it's not a book you'd want to check out the, at the library, even if they had a brand new version because it's in German and we can't read it anyway. But this one is probably a little better. Oh, look, she wrote in it. So now we have little notes. So more than likely, uh, it was a, maybe a college book, and she wrote some of her class notes in it. I'm not sure. It's all in pencil. You'll see more pencil than ink. Right. Ink, writing something in ink uh, years ago was complicated. The well, little. You, well, you had, um, it was, uh, you didn't have ballpoint. No, it was even before that. This was fountain pen. Fountain pen, or a little right. dippy thing that you'd have to dip in the inkwell and all this. Right. I, don't, I don't see real. The, the other book we had, I think, had a little bit of real ink in it. Uh, but um, anyway, so it's kind of cool. There's a lot of some books have him. One of them had a pin, like a straight pin, maybe went to a dress or a hat or something. Um, not I, a whole lot. Now, of clues. I can't see it from here, but the writing, mm-hmm. is it in English? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the book's in German and I'm guessing they're, they're translating. It says point top lace. Witness. It looks like maybe she tried to translate a translate little bit. Translate it, okay. Like a little exercise. This might have been a homework assignment. I don't know. Uh, but so we have the owner's handwriting, mm-hmm. which is a, another whole thing. You could do grapho analysis and all this kind of stuff. But um, it's uh, pretty clear. She has pretty good handwriting. Um, but again, you know, maybe several people that owned it and was in one of the houses. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, sometimes when we have donations or when we have anything, we have more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And yeah. it's, it's up to us to see what we can find out. Um, and, again, I have a folder, two, about two inches high, just with all kinds of possibilities on this. I haven't given up yet. It's a great story, and um, we've had a lot of people interested in it. And a lot of people want to touch the books. You can't touch the books. Mm-hmm. You can right. look at, but mm-hmm. if you come into the library, because they're on display, you can look in the glass case and you can take pictures of whatever you see, which is kind of neat. It's almost—it's really neat because since these books were donated and word got out more or less, it's almost become a tradition. It is. Every year, like yeah. I mm-hmm. said, we bring them out. And then about when, two years ago, one of the TV stations from New Orleans came 
news of the weird or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And um, and I said they just called and said, "Can we come see him?" Can we? I said, "How'd you find out about this?" You know, I often wondered. Uh, this year, um, WXXV came Thursday morning, and we got into the library five thirty, and it was kind of dark and creepy and very <laughs> few lights and all. So she came and. And she loved it, and it turned out perfect. You it wanna, did an excellent job. Do you want to tell them where to see that special? Um, it's on WXXV. It's um, live local, that, that department. Um, Lorraine Waskoff is the anchor person that does it. And there's different variations because they do like four, four or five live shots during the morning news, and then she'll compile another like permanent film that you can see um, on their Facebook station page, whatever, uh, later on. But it was excellent. Yes. It's mm-hmm. very good special. And then also um, the B-mail. Okay. So uh, you want to talk about this? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what we have here is every month I had the privilege of writing a story of my choosing in the uh, B newsletter uh, that the city uh, puts together. It has all kinds of things. It has events. It has water quality and all this other stuff. So this month... Uh, decided to do a little story, and it's called. The topic is back in the day. That's the kind of the theme. So this year, this month, for the month of October, I did a story about unusual stories in Biloxi. And it's not that you know we can't write other stories. It's just um, it's all about Biloxi news. So we try to focus on what's going on here. So basically, this this booklet is mailed out to all Biloxi residences. Also, we have them in public buildings and available at the visitor center and so forth if you didn't get one. It's also available online um, as well. So if you miss any of that, you can go online, go to B News, and you can see all of them for the past almost two years. So this has about eight stories. One is my probably, they have a story, a short story here about these haunted books. Uh, probably one of my other favorites is the two little girls that haunted the old Biloxi Hospital. Which is now the DM. Our building. Yeah, but we don't get into that. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I just knew what went on there before. So basically, <laughs> the, I don't know. So right. we can't get in there anyway. Well, it's, a, it's, it's a state government. Yeah, building. It's a state building. Right. So we don't. We can't just walk in there and right. roam around the halls. Okay, so this is a picture of the original design uh, by Carl Mathis. Um, it was built um, bef- in the 60s before Merritt Health took over hospital services in Biloxi, if that makes any sense. it was It's on the back bay. The building is still standing. It's been renovated and renovated. It got clobbered for Katrina and all this. But mm-hmm. basically, the, the, to narrow it down, uh, it used to be a hospital uh, when people were really, really sick, and they tell the story exactly the same way. If you find somebody's great-grandma, they'll tell it to you. So they're really, really sick, and all of a sudden, these two little girls pop up, and they show up in the room, and they're laughing and giggling, and, and they all have like, like long braided hair, and they just stand at the bed, and um, they might talk to the patients. So sometimes the patients get irritated, you know, and they go, what are these little kids doing in my room? Why are they here? Well, when you tell the nurses, it's like, oh, that's those two little girls. They always show up when somebody's really sick. Just well, you know, the theory behind that is the closer you are to passing, mm-hmm. you're also within that veil. Right. You're, you know, you're... You're you can very see close things that yeah. you can see things that other people can't see. Right. And the same way they said that when a, uh, an infant was really, really sick and they need to bring the infant to NCU or whatever, the doors would open by themselves. And I still heard stories about the elevators open and closed, and they hear things that actually all. still happens. I yeah, heard oh, that too. It does. Well, yep. we, I, don't know. I have a friend who works 
Really? In that building, yes. That's that's creepy. Yeah. But they, you know, I don't know. But that, that's but everybody talks about the story. So when you get to an, an old timer in Biloxi, you know, they'll say, yeah, my grandma told me this. And you kind of want to know more, and that's all you hear. Y'all, you always hear pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You know, and so we tried to do some research. We said, well, who could these little girls be? You know, we said, maybe we can look them up and see. Maybe something happened around the hospital grounds years and years ago, and we're still looking. We can't find right. them. You know? Right. It'd be nice if there could be an investigative team, whether it's just not known to the public, just to try and get some answers. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> Well, Let's do it. I don't know. I don't know if you could do that or not. But that's some serious strings to pull for that one, right? Yeah. Right. So, if you want to know a bunch of other stories in Biloxi about a tombstone that appeared and reappeared and still with us in the library, and mm-hmm. a couple other things about uh, Mister Swan's treasure chest in his uh, garden and all that, there's about six or eight. Um, there's also the just a showing of the Weather Witch um, downtown. You've seen that on top of Elsie's oh, hardware. Yeah, hardware store, yes. And it's kind of unusual because this is not part of the Biloxi architecture. It's not brick. It's not wood. It's just an unusual. And it's supposed to was a working weather witch when it was built in the late 1800s. There were two, I believe. Correct. And one is missing. One is. Well, it's somewhere. I don't think it's like lost, stolen, right. like him, but it's just not. Now, what is a weather witch? Well, it's a weather vane. Oh, okay. So if you want, and you can see pictures of similar ones. It's made out of iron. It's on the top of that pointy thing on top. Right. Of yeah, houses. I know. What it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's supposed to turn around in the direction of the wind. Now mm-hmm. I don't know if they oil it, grease it, whatever. With right. that it's was pretty a, high up there. Yeah. yeah, it is really yeah. high, but you can see it. And and people will come. I've, a couple came from um, Ireland. They were visiting several years ago after Katrina. And they said, what's going on with this? What are y'all doing? Why is it here? I said, I don't know. And so they were drawn to it. And they said, do you have a story about it? I said, the only thing I know about the Weather Witch is that when the guy built the building, he wanted something unusual, maybe something that would attract people to the building. And he went and paid all kinds of money to put it up there. And guess what? In spite of all the storms, it's still, still there. It's there. been there for a long time. Wow. wow. So now with the Weather Witch, he also put this gargoyle-looking thing that sat <laughs> under the that's Weather right, Witch. I, remember that. Mm-hmm. But, I, think, I don't think that's there anymore. Well, they they had a little he, he she it had a tumble oh. after Katrina and kind of went to pieces. And they took the pieces, and the people who owned the bank um, had uh, it reconstructed and. It was an unusual kind of metal or cement. So the, um, I think it's um, Mary Davidson Odd something. She I think she was the artist. She specializes in unusual uh, composites, and she redid it. And it's inside the bank. I understand. Uh, oh, okay. Now where inside I don't know, but the, that one that's the it. bank across the street now. People's Bank. Right, because People's Bank right. was El- was Elsie's correct in that correct. time. Right. So it's not in Elsie's hardware. You're not going to see it, but it is somewhere in People's Bank. Mm-hmm. Right, and gargles are supposed to be for protection or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know a lot about gargles, but it's a... Uh, sure, Bobby. Oh, you oh. guys. <laughs> Another research project, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, you have churches in, in France like Notre Dame. Right. Co- mm-hmm. Covered in gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Why, would, why would you put something like that all over the church? Superstition. Why would you put it in downtown Biloxi? Because we're weirdos. Oh, we have lots of storms. Maybe they try to make storms go away, or maybe they saw right. things that they didn't like seeing in the middle of the night. I don't know. Right. Wow. I mean, it, that's. 
I love it because it's history mm-hmm. and it's keeping history alive. And so that's one of my favorite things. Well, it's still ongoing. We right. haven't given up on the lady who might be still with us. We're going to still look and keep our antenna up and see if we feel or hear anything else. And then, you know, who knows? Sometimes people just show up at the library and they start talking about things. And we were talking about this the other day inside the building. And one of the uh, people who works with us, she says, oh, yeah. She says, I used to work in that house that the books came from. And she says, you know, they had a lot of locked rooms and it was a huge attic and it was a lot of stuff. It was a very mm. large house. Yeah, it was a large house. Yeah. So she said, I remember that building well. Well, I've never been inside that building and Katrina vanished it. Nothing. Was it before Katrina, like just before the storm, wasn't it a and b um, Not sure. It might have been. That yeah, for, could very, have been. for a short time, I think it was a and b It could be. And see, the problem with projects in Biloxi, they announce a project, but you never know if they do the project. So I don't know where they were in the in the planning stage, but okay. but even it was a our terms for B and B. It was a boarding house in the sixties. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's but it wasn't before that. It was people just lived there. It was a mansion. Yeah, it was a mansion. Yeah, you know, and you'd see postcards of it and all this good stuff. And now there is not nothing. There is no tree. There is no house. Um, I don't know. A lot of Victorian houses and other structures on the right. We've lost a lot. Gone. I was going to say, have you with the other items inside the library? Have y'all ever had any any other um, creepy vibes? Right. <laughs> um, no, not exactly. I mean, we have other things in there that we kind of wonder about. Like, mm-hmm. why do we have a lock of someone's hair? Oh, okay, that's kind of weird. Well, you know the tradition behind that. Well, we can make things with them. I know no, that. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, when somebody passes away. Oh, oh, oh. No, this was the, this was in a baby book. We mm. we acquired baby books. We also have uh, lots of pictures that we don't know who they are of, and some we do know what and are. Do you have any post mortem pictures? No. Why not? Nobody's give them to us. You see, we 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 thrive on donations. <laughs> I like that kind of. Chris like yeah. Chris like mom. Next not? Sunday, no one's offered to give us that. I promise you. Um, I was going to say, I know, like for my children, when they got like for my son when he got his haircut, and he first haircut, right, first haircut. So I have I have their hair. Yeah. Um. So it might have been something like that for the lock of hair. Maybe I have no idea. I mean. We we wish we knew more about the people who owned or gave us things, you know, and we don't. They just show up. I mean, we, we actually have um, a complete uniform and set and uh, also all the medals and the letters and the trunks that went with a gentleman and came back with a gentleman who was in World War II. The family gave it to us to keep. And so every once in a while we yeah. bring that out mm-hmm. and all. That's really cool. Okay. Um, That's really nice. But we never know. And and now there's so much stuff in the archives room. If something would go crazy, we'd start hearing things. Or we wouldn't know where to point. Right. There's so right. much stuff. Right. In there. And that's the problem. And that's the problem with, with these books as well. We can't, if we hear creaks or whatever, where exactly is it coming from? Because you have a concrete building. Concrete. Why would you hear creaks in a concrete building? Well, this is an amazing building. Uh, Made of concrete and steel, 140 mile an hour proof winds. There's all kinds of pipes and special fire prevention systems. There's so much technology Mm -hmm. in the walls with, you know, other Mm -hmm. buildings, including this house. 
didn't have all that before. Now it's so complicated to build anything. To maintain it is complicated too. Something drips. You don't know if it's the condensation. You don't know if it's the uh, air conditioner. You don't know if it's a heating and cool. You know, we don't know what's up there that's that's dripping. So, uh, yeah, it could be anything. You know, mm-hmm. and then even the windows are pretty thick. Right. All right. Like double, Which is good. Double pane. And yeah. we're high above the base flood elevation. I could go on and on, but <laughs> since this building was built. Uh, after Katrina, and because of Katrina, uh, then the regulations are a lot stiffer. Um, also, um, this when they we did our building, what well, used to be there, anybody from Biloxi or even the nearby area would know, it was the old Central High School on that spot. We're on the corner of, of Bellman and Howard. Oh, okay. And they used to have a, an old high school. Well, when they built a new high school on Father Ryan in the 60s, they quit using it as that. They turned it into an elementary school. Yeah, and then it was, and, and so yeah. it kept, and you'll see this all throughout Biloxi and probably everywhere. They repurpose places. Any, any building that can withstand anything, it gets repurposed, whether it turns into a restaurant or a place to live, condos, whatever. Uh, and so, um, needless to say, that old high school didn't do real well during Katrina. So they opted to tear it down, which they needed to do anyway. It wasn't really being used and had really a lot of uh, water damage and so forth. So the city decided to move our uh, library collection from across the street from the present city hall into this amazing new building. And with it, and a lot of people have been there for other reasons, but with it uh, in the in the um, foyer across from us is the Biloxi Civic Center, which is massive. It doesn't look like, like it does inside our building, but um, it's it's a massive thing. It's not going anywhere. It's pretty solid. It's like Fort Knox in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're pretty pretty excited. We um, always hoping for new donations, whatever it is. Um, when people donate to us, um, we have to decide what to do with it. There's no guarantee it's going to go on the shelf or whatever. We have to figure out whether we're going to um, keep it, put it on the shelf, share it with another library, do it for displays. You know all this. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the next debut for this these books, but they're going to stay in the library through the month of um, on display until the end of the month of October. And then the um, Biloxi Bay Area Chamber is going to have an event called Boo on the Roof. Oh. It's going to be in downtown Biloxi. And some of the businesses are going to have table displays and uh, they're going to dress up in costume and we're going to emphasize masking. You know, right. as a necessity right. to have this, this <laughs> event. And so I might bring a one of the books or a book similar to it and mm-hmm. you know kind of accent our collection so that's what's cool about the things that um that i can do uh, i have permission to do all these things whether it's research helping people collecting things evaluating things um sharing information showing people how to do research uh every day something new it's cool i love it oh well, yeah it's been awesome Sorry, Terry. Go ahead. It's okay, Bobby. It's not my my turn to talk. All right, children. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> please. You hear that a lot. <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, going back to these books, um, mm-hmm. what are your personal thoughts on them? Well, anything old that belongs to someone, I feel like. A piece of their spirit stays with them. That's Does that fair. make sense? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, you can understand what I'm saying there. So I'm thinking that there's a piece of the 
particle of somebody's, might even be DNA in there. I'm not sure. So there's something about it, um, whether it's about the time, you know, that it was printed or the person that owned it. Or the person's profession. Or the person's profession. Or Which even, is- remember, these books traveled. They went, they, they started out in Biloxi. We know that. Well, we, we, we know they collected themselves in a grouping in Biloxi. And then they traveled all over the United States. So they may have traveled more than move average. I don't know where this family went, but I know they didn't stay here. So the books themselves have a story to tell, but we don't know. It can't talk. Right. right. So, so the books as a group mm-hmm. moved. It, it wasn't as if they picked up a book in a different city. and it, no, no. They, right. That's it a good question. A That's a very good question. Yeah. Okay. They started out as a, we're going to call them a family of books. Okay. The family of nine members' books, all kind of having the same, the same theme, meaning uh, it's academic books. It's you know not something you'd read, not like storybooks. Collected themselves together, wound up in a box together in a building, and then they started to travel. They went on a voyage. If only the books could talk. Sure. But they stayed with the same couple the entire time. Yes. Until, until you know, the couple decided they didn't want them, didn't need them. Maybe a library would take them, and that was it. It's a good story. Wow. It's, it's, almost almost like, like a- it's almost like with the names in the books, like a group of friends got together. Like they were all together, you know, like, like in the- high school. Right, yeah. right, right in high school. and Road trip. Or was it some type of homeschooling? Literally. Yeah. Now, these, it could, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't have a choice of where they could go. Right. right. You know, they yeah. were taken, whether they liked it or not, they tri- they're like little kids. They got mm-hmm. traveled all over. Story of my life. <laughs> That's, no. <laughs> so am I missing anything? Is there anything else you want to know about the books or? Uh, where uh, can our listeners go to get more information? Biloxi website? Uh, okay, so to know more about the books, well, let's let's start off by seeing the books. The books are presently located on display in the Biloxi East Biloxi Library at five eighty Howard Avenue. Um, it's in a display case, as I said, uh, and you can see through the, the glass display case. You can just look at it, so forth. Um, so, what you'd need to do, right? This COVID mess and so forth. It's not as easy to get access to buildings so probably you'd call us 435-4613 area code 228 yes of course (laughs) and um then check and see um if you want to come in and look at it we can you know greet you at the door uh tell the if you happen to be a neighborhood you know you can come come in the building is not unlocked it's just it's restrictions um then we can kind of you know show you where the books are because you have to know where to look and you can come visit them and ask us questions and so forth. We may not have a lot of answers, but it's great. And sometimes we learn things. You know, people come in to visit the library, and they might tell us a story about, gee, you know, this is the way Biloxi was. This is about my family. This story sounds familiar. They might even talk about the B News that the city puts out and says, oh, gee, you know, I saw the story you wrote about the little girls in the hospital that would, and my grandmother told me the same story, blah, blah, blah. So it's, um, it's a meeting place. It's a place where people discuss things. And we don't question whether they're right or wrong. It's, that's not for right. us to do. Right. But uh, it's a good place. And hopefully uh, when things get better, we'll have more places to have meeting rooms and open it more to the public. And But we still provide... Uh, basic um, services as far as 
um, you know, computer access. We have places, we have computers that are accessible to the public. You can um, check out books, return books. We have tons of DVDs and so forth. And there's some online uh, activities for kids and so forth. Um, the Biloxi Library does have a Facebook page as well. Uh, and um, my assistant, Mandy, she's in charge of putting a new old picture uh, online like once or twice a week with a little story about each one. Cool. All right. Good, good, good. Good I information. Would, I would love to see that somebody watched um, WXXV's mm-hmm. um, video or even heard the podcast and maybe heard mention the name of the books. And somehow they're connected. Right. And yeah. like maybe remembered like their grandma or grandpa when they were cleaning out an attic or something right. had right. similar books or um, something like that and maybe would have some kind of connection and be able to contact you about okay. that. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, um, since these are really old books, there's not a lot of chance that somebody's going to find it in their attic. But, you know, we do, I do a program with the library, and it's called Treasures in Grandma's Attic, exactly what you said. And so people will go through Grandma's stuff in an attic or a closet, and they'll say, what is this? Why did Grandma keep this? And sometimes we have more questions than answers. You're going to have a chore to do when you go through my stuff because there's a story about every single guys thing. you have no idea <laughs> i was gonna say I, 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 I know my children too are kind of like oh geez. why did you keep this what yeah. is it about and there's a story about everything but only grandma knows right right and grandma's not here to right. ask. so uh you can wonder you can put the pieces together i mean some might be like christmas ornaments or something but when you get into things like um yearbooks and a lock of hair well whose is it Right. It's like a murder mystery <laughs> without the murder. Perfect for investigators. So everything's important, right. especially mystery. old stuff, right? Right. And speaking of um, earlier, like we talked about traditions, um, Bluxy also has a tradition at the local cemetery. Ah, of course. Okay, so every year uh, we do cemetery tours. Um, it's in the old Biloxi French Cemetery, which the address is on Irish Hill, which makes no sense because really when you see it, you pass it on Highway 90. Uh, you just, and you I, just can't enter. Yeah, well, you can. There's a gate, but you got to be real careful. Yeah. There's two. It's yeah, there is narrow. a gate. you got to be careful. Yeah. It's narrow. Okay, so this is about the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. It depends on you know when you start counting a uh, year we've been doing this. And it's a group of people called Preserve Biloxi, uh, representing different entities in Biloxi. The Biloxi Bay Area Chamber, the city of Biloxi, um, the Main Street Biloxi, Biloxi Library, Biloxi Schools, USM, History Department. Um, then we have Ms. Sherry Munter and Ms. Charlene Deaton. Uh, hope I didn't forget anybody. Uh, Biloxi School. It's a, it's a long list of people. When we all get together, we plan the cemetery tours. We plan uh, the history week in February. And then we also plan preservation in May. In May. So, bottom line is, this year, because of the COVID mess, we can't do things normally. We don't really have reenactors in the cemetery based on a theme. We'd have like 10 or 12 places where people would get dressed up and tell their story of when they live, stand by the tombstone and so forth. Well, we can't have a thousand people on a pop, you know, right. and it's usually one in the afternoon, one at night. So what they did was they taped a virtual cemetery tour. Um, and it will be released soon through the city of Biloxi's BTV online YouTube, and there will be some directions as well. So you have to stay tuned to the city of Biloxi's um, website 
uh, basically on Tuesday, we will have the sneak peek, which will be an introduction, which the library always provides. Um, and so a little bit about the tour. And also this week, um, they will also include a story about the tombstone, which they thought was the oldest tombstone, not the the earliest burial, because that's a whole different thing. They probably have burials there since 1700s. We just don't know who they are. Um, but this tombstone they thought was uh, a cur- uh, showed up in a cemetery in 1811. When you try to find the person anywhere, any place, and such, you can't find it. But it's been eroded. The stone's been eroded. So we had a tombstone guy come out, Mr. Nick Black, and he said, well, you know, the numbers don't really match. It looks like this has, you know, been not sandblasted, but... So maybe it's 1841. So if we look at 1841, okay. we take this guy's name, boom, here comes a whole story about his, you know, his, his, he had two girls, and after he dies, he, um, the wife moves to New Orleans, she becomes a dressmaker, and so we can go to a whole genealogy. We can't figure his life. I'm not sure why he showed up here. I think he was probably a steamboat captain, because that's oh, what was going okay. on in that time. Mm-hmm. So you have to, it's like a puzzle. Put right. all the pieces of the puzzle together. I think that's why he came. I mean, remember, the railroad wasn't here yet. Right. right. They were just trying to figure out the lighthouse. So how would he, well, for one thing, that's the only way he could get here is by boat. boat. Yeah. And he was probably, even though his tombstone is in French, everybody spoke French here, he was probably from Spain, because in the census records, if the supposed wife and kids always say this guy was from Spain, you know, so mm-hmm. we have a lot. And that's another folder I have like two inches on. But anyway, to make a long story short, um, we did a little uh, scenario in the, in the cemetery where the tombstone guy, Mr. Black, and I talked about, you know, why is this tombstone potentially they have the wrong idea of when it was you know put in place. Um, and so the history that goes behind it and how you can do research and so forth. And so that's the 20th. I think it's 7 o'clock. Tuesday the 20th. Yes, yes. Tuesday the 20th. Uh, this coming Tuesday um, at 7 o'clock, some kind of way online, the City Biloxi website. And then on the 27th will be the virtual tour. So on the 27th, probably around the same time, they'll actually show the, the um, actors that they'll have. They have about, about 8 or 10 actors that you'll see the the film of them, uh, they'll tell this story. And when these actors do these these bits here, you believe that that's the actual person. They're so they're, good at it, you know. And in rare cases, some of the actors are actually related to their yes. The person we've also like one year we had uh, Mr. Bark from Bark yeah. Yeah, He bones, did his bones, own. Yep. Yeah. So sometimes we actually have that. I'm not. I'm not sure if we have any related people this year. I'm not real positive about that because I don't really know. There's a Miss Deaton uh, goes ahead and gets the actors together, so I don't know the background and all the actors. But um, the advantage of this year's way of doing the cemetery tour mm-hmm. is that you get to see it at your own leisure now. Yes, you don't have to go out right. between a certain time on a weeknight. Right, and you know that's exactly it. It, so it, 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 it does have its advantage. And it I, is. I hope they keep that part of it up even when they do. That's when, a good idea. Maybe we, we should. You know, right. Well, you know, teachers, mm-hmm. they have to do a virtual and they're basically working two jobs. Right, right. So it's the way of the day. The way, right. So, yeah. And it would help with students with absences and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that would, I think every, this whole epidemic is a, a it's a, it's, it does have some positive well, aspects to it. Uh, yeah, it's got a learning curve with things. The only thing I worry about, and we'll have to figure this out or somebody will. So if you're like 80 years old, and you may or may not have a 
piece of equipment that can show these things, you're going to have to have family members to be able to help you get to that point where you can see it. You know, right. so, uh, whether right. it's a computer or a cell phone or, you know, whatever, television connection or whatever it is, because it will be on BTV. Uh, but it's going to be the way things are going to be for a long time, so we might as well get used to it. Mm-hmm. And I like your idea about continuing this process because they tape them anyway so why not why not i mean do it it's yeah. a, a documentation right it is yeah. or the blood visitor center could play it in there and yeah, there that's true that's true and they may as soon as they can get th- you know throngs of people to congregate at more than 25 or 50 right. whatever the rules are so um so it's a great story um this year uh, again the, the theme is legends and lore too um, and so, because we've already done Legends and Laws, so we had to figure out what to call this one. It's basically, it's a collaboration of uh, people who lived in Biloxi, contributed um, here. That like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an idea. There's actually a list of people who um, the characters have to do. One is um, Mr. Broussard, who was actually a guy who was a fisherman. And then there was a lady who worked in the store downtown. There was... Um, people who worked in a, a seafood factory, two ladies, and they have a discussion. So the way it works is, you know, they just have a discussion, and um, it's like a little play, like a okay. vignette, you know. So um, there's, there's several, um, like I said, there's about eight of them. And I don't want to spoil the fun, so you'll just have to tune in to see who they peak, Tuesday the 20th. Yay, I'm looking forward to it. And we can try and go ahead and link it. On our social media. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a hyperlink there um, for so you. So if you all listen to this podcast and you know how to get to our Facebook page, we can link it directly back cool. to where we cool. need to. So. Cool. It yeah. is a lot of work, and it will be much appreciated because <clears throat> the planning for this and the um, production of it, I mean, it's it's really complicated, and it takes oh, sure. months. Yeah. You know, it's got to be just right. Um, of course, it's got, they can be edited, and like when I did the sneak peek, um, we, we taped it Monday. It was so hot. And it was so much traffic on Highway 90. Right. So I'm yeah. not sure um, yeah. what Mr. Augie's going to wind up, you know, putting together. But uh, it was a challenge. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a great event. And you learn a lot from it because it's supposed to be historical. Good. It's yeah, not good. a made-up story. Good. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. reenactments. Yes. It's exactly, it's what, exactly it is. what it is. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for accompanying us today. Fun. It was fun. And a huge shout-out to my mom, Jane. Thank and, you again. Thank you. And the Biloxi um, Public Library System. And uh, if you want to do any historical search of your own um, question, you can you can see her in the genealogical section. Uh, you'll be surprised what you find there. Right. And you know, I need to add a little bit to that. We are part of the Harrison County Library System. We're part of that family. Yes, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just the... Her building in Biloxi, the main branch, is where you would see her in, right. with archives. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Um, I think that might be it for this one. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Thank you again. You're welcome. We appreciate it. Very informative. You're welcome. You have a great mom, Chris. I don't know what happened to you, but... <laughs> I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll, have a, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Happy Halloween. And remember, sometimes the paranormal can still be normal. Follow MGC Podcast on Facebook and YouTube.